You hear me? It's episode 12 of Lung Party, featuring Han Luong. Also featuring a guest track and poetic response from Eichlitz. I'm your host, Antosh Wojcik. I'll talk quite a bit in this episode. This episode's produced by Weird Today. Feeling weird today. Feeling weird today. Well, I'm not too nervous right now. When I was when I was walking in, I was like, yeah. "Oh God, I'm getting sweaty." Good thing I put on deodorant before this. <laughs> There's a lot of poetry energy in here. I can feel it. I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you smell that Wait, nervousness? Nervous. <laughs> That's what it is. So I don't know. I like it. It's very comforting. No, no, the fear is very real. Yeah, I mean, especially because. I've definitely tried to have like themed parties and stuff. I'm a big fan of those. Oh right. Yeah, because I like when people dress up cohesively and <laughs> and stuff. It's funny, you know. Like having a '50s party is yeah. awesome because you get people who show up as like greasers, and then you get like housewives, and then like some people don't even know what the '50s is, and they just dress like they're from the 18th century. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that wasn't it. But thanks for trying. Well, what if you guys are, like, laying in... Like, what if you're laying in bed at a sleepover, and you okay. want to talk to your friend, but it's dark? But you can't talk? So there's definitely times at a sleepover where I've heard things that shouldn't have been said as well, right? Yeah, well, so, yeah, that's true. That's, that's a, true, though. That's when they think you're asleep, and then yeah. they start talking about you, and you're like, I'm going to keep my eyes closed, but I know. I know what's going you're on. There with the- Sibling salad. When you first came into this world, I felt like I had been pressed against a cutting board, julienned and dumped straight into a salad whose recipe calls for lackluster conversations lost in translation while you were the dressing that made the rest of it remotely palatable. They say I'm still their baby, but babies don't slave away for minimum wage, scrounging just enough for a tarnished car to escort them into adulthood with sparkling golden promises of freedom and reinvention where they find themselves crying alone in the back seat, wondering why their heart is coated in a single raw egg that clings to their chest and swivels around in constant risk of bursting. You were screaming like we had injected you with the IV stand beside mom's bed, and I held to you like a bundle of fruit so terribly afraid of bruising. When your cries turned to cooing, a smooth red hand wrapped over my heart to tell me that all babies are different, that you would be a golden baby, skin as polished as glazed ceramic pots, and I would just have to settle for silver. Um, that poem's actually written about my, I don't have a sibling, actually, uh, but my stepmom's pregnant right now, so I've been like anticipating this kid coming, and she's due in literally the week I come back from uni. Wow. So, yeah, I've just been really anxious about it. Like, I'm excited to meet her, but at the same time, what if she's awesome and it's super genius, and then I'm just overshadowed forever, you know? <laughs> and it's a really selfish thing to think. Of course, I'm going to love her, but, you know, I can't help but wonder. Like, they, they raised me up to 20, and now they know everything they shouldn't do, and now they're going to raise this oh. genius baby, you know? <laughs> she's going to be a prodigy. She's going to be awesome. I've been thinking about this a lot. When this kid is 10 years old and I pick them up from school... Their, their friends are going to be like, oh, is that your mom? And they're going to be like, no, that's my sister. She's super old. <laughs> One thing I'm really excited about is mm. being able to, like, shape this child's life, you know? Like, push her in wherever she wants to go, but then, like, push her really hard towards it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's important.
So the kid is 20 years younger than me, and my stepmom's 20 years older than me, and my dad's 20 years older than my stepmom. So we got like, Whoa. like three, four generations in the same house. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> So this next poem is called Sock War, and um, it's going to be read in, I'm going to try to read it in like one sentence, but I'm going to have to breathe a lot between it, so, okay. But it's supposed to be like a kind of poem that bleeds into itself. Like you just keep reading line after line and they kind of meld into each other. Sock War. I keep finding socks on my bed, under my pillows, twisted up in the duvet, mismatched, bundled together in pairs of orange and linty white, with chafe holes in the heels from walking miles at a time, no shoes, so my feet can feel the bumps in the road, as I search for meaning in my steps, hoping the cotton phrase will give me an answer. There must be enough socks in my room for a war, I itch to start. Enough ammunition to launch a blitzkrieg on this house for never being a home, pushing me to wander, yet still regret. Every stranger's bed, I slept in another city where loneliness was my only visitor, would always grab me and stiffen as if he was holding a corpse beside him. So afraid of his illness, I leave my door unlocked so he knows he's always unwelcome. I've heard that your best ideas come to you right before you fall asleep. So um, I'll like be falling asleep or something, and I'll set an alarm for like like maybe 10 minutes after I'm literally drifting into sleep, and then it'll wake me up and I'll be thinking of something super weird, like you know when your brain drifts off into that weird area where you're like, yeah, I'm just walking down the street with a leopard, you know, this makes sense, and then you make it into a poem, and it sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't. This poem is called King. I woke up underneath the bed today, spooned by the weight of this Tuesday morning. Breathing felt like water rushing into the holes of the hull on a sinking boat. 
I was drowning when a hundred some bees swarmed my mouth, filled me up loud and angry, rioting on the sides of my skull like soldier boys marching to war, kicking up dirt as they ran, cementing this hole, keeping my brain from submerging again. Yesterday, the cat ran away. A roar rolled out his mouth that sounded like the sighing of rough wood echoing through a jungle, and I thought he might have been a leopard all along. He leapt out the back door, clouds burly and dark shrouded over him. I was trapped inside his burning house, whose window for years seared his figure into the carpet as a cat and not a king. Um, well, if you've ever heard a leopard, yeah, it has a really, really deep kind of um, uh, growl or whatever, meow, whatever it is. And it sounds literally like you're sawing wood, but really rough wood because it sounds like it's scratching a little bit. So you can't help but wonder why you think about those weird things, though, right? I've been dreaming about all sorts of crazy stuff lately. Oh, I had a dream that I was in like this post-apocalyptic world and I was with my housemate and anyway, there were like a bunch of uh, mutants outside. And I was like, run into that safe house and we ran in and there was some people in there and I was like, are we safe here? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I was like, okay, uh, there's something, there's someone outside. I would, I would go check that. And like, we kept sending people outside and they kept getting like brutally murdered. And then we like snuck out the other way and like jumped over the fence. In a survival situation, all I care about is her and me, you know? <laughs> I don't care about all these other people who lovingly took me into their home. Like, nah, I don't care, I don't care. So this poem is well, it's about my best friend that I've known since I was like five, maybe. So we've been we've been friends for like 15 years. I think that's that's like a sophomore in high school. That's a long, long time to be friends. But she's she's probably like the greatest person I've ever met. And she's not she's not perfect or anything, but she is, if you know what I mean. Like she just knows what to say and she's not always nice or anything. You know, she keeps me grounded. She brings me back down when I'm being a total, you know, dickhead and stuff. But she She's just so comfortable with, like, the lifestyle that she's living, even though she knows that, like, she, she hasn't finished high school or, like, gone to college or anything, and she's been working for, like, a really long time. But she's so happy and doesn't really care because she's surrounded by people who are great and love her. So this poem's about her. Every night, she's off work, so you find her waiting in the alley. Salient ember eyes rekindle when they see you've got nothing to lose. Your presence, another log thrown in the fire, an oil-stained apron circles her waist, crushed pack of camels at her feet, the last fag half-ashed dangles precariously out the corner of her mouth, like she found the meaning of life in her dreams, but can't remember it now. What would you say to your brain if it was outside of you and you could just, like, talk to it for a moment? For a moment. Um, well, is this... Does that mean that I, I still have a brain inside? Yeah, like, it didn't kill it. you. Like. Okay, I just, I'm just communicating with it. Um, I don't know, I'd be like, can you stop wigging out, please? Like, I just, I can't deal with it right now. I have a lot of stuff going on. I don't appreciate when you panic about stuff. I would just, you know, reason with her. Just be like, calm down, God. Yeah. Pet her a little bit, you know, make her comfortable. Calm her down. Ask her what she wants from me so that I can give to her, you know. You figure you'd be able to do that. Can you, do you think that when you have thoughts, you're talking to your own brain? Is that what... Yeah, I... Isn't that what that is? <laughs> yeah, are you just... Because are you communicating just with your brain and it's bouncing it back? Yeah. With a response? Isn't that what thoughts are? Yeah, or are you just talking to yourself? Like... But aren't you just your brain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I love about... It's amazing, isn't it? Like, you'll go your whole life and you will 
there's just there's stuff inside you and you'll never see it like yeah. actually yeah you just take for granted that there's a brain in there i know doing, doing i forget sometimes shit. i'm yeah. like there's nothing there's no way there's anything there because i'm so dumb today you know <laughs> just wake up and i'm like nah it's gone i went on vacation <laughs> <laughs> So basically, uh, in this poem, there's going to be two people talking, and I haven't written like he said or she said, but I've separated it into the two sides. So when you read it, I'll, I'll pause. I'll pause so you know when the next person's talking. I can't really do voices or anything. That would be cool, though. Okay. This poem is called Luggage. At the street corner, I ask a man for directions to the airport. Socks soaked with storm, I say, my family is luggage. I lose one every time I go away. He says, a man without his cane finds it hard to love a stroll. Imagine the sound of a dog whistling for us to come to him. A flower that never learned to sprout petals will never lose any of her growth to the wind. In this city of ash where nights don't fade so gently into days, I wonder how our hearts sit on the left but still remain in the right place. He shakes my hand, a wet umbrella, on this cloud-cloaked afternoon, a paramount farewell, chasing puddles with his feet. Forgive me, but I see your face in the water, and I know I can't keep you from drowning. The man is supposed to be a reflection of the girl who's talking to him, obviously. He's, he's not a real man. He's someone that she's like... She obviously has issues with family and being separated from them and this guilt of being away from them and stuff. Mm. And instead of, like, looking at yourself and, and accepting that, it's kind of easier to project it onto someone else. Mm. So she is projecting onto this man, and he's saying, like, you know, he's reasoning with her. He's kind of the voice of reason. Like, listen, you know, parents probably miss you, and you should probably just try to keep in contact with them and be good to them. And she's like, well, you know, parents have done this and this to me, so I don't want to. And so it's just kind of herself reasoning with her, but having this man as like a, yeah. a voice, a second voice. Initially, the man was, wasn't in it, and it just felt so much like, this happened, this happened, this is me, blah, blah, blah. So I figured it was easier to have, like, two voices of reasoning, because obviously there's a lot of conflict in this poem. Yeah. Like, it's, it's her wanting to be like, I don't ever want to see them again, and then him being like, they're not that bad, you know. Mm. You gotta, you gotta try. So, yeah, I thought, I thought the dialogue would make it more complex and more interesting to read yeah. if you understand that they're the same person. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Psst. Hey, still there? It's episode twelve. Long Party featuring Han Luong. Also featuring a guest track, Poetic Response, from iGlitch. You can check out iGlitch's material on SoundCloud. Many thanks to Han Luong and iGlitch for contributing material to this. I've been Antoine Foychik. Next episode's our last episode. Produced by Weird Today. Like one dream I've had recently was um, there was this like blue blue guy, kind of slightly like kind of I don't know like a kind of trucker build, and he was like all blue, and he was holding a screwdriver and he was like I want to give I want you to give me brain surgery oh with this screwdriver. <laughs> it was just so like scary. I, was, I was like yeah. I'm was certified. Like, yeah yeah. It was like. <laughs>
Um, I don't have the qualifications for that. So <laughs> like that. Well, I do of... think a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. so I so, think I can do it. That's, yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's not been cool. haunting me. That sounds kind of terrifying, actually. Do you yeah. think that there's some dude out there who's like, I really just want Antosh to operate? <laughs> you know, maybe there is someone out there like that. <laughs> I just really want him to operate on my brain. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, I just need Antosh to use a screwdriver and open it up and just check it around in there. Yeah. You know? And it seems so real in the moment, wasn't yeah. it? Because you thought you had woken up in your in your house. Yeah. 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 You're like. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure like the person I live with was there as well, mm-hmm. you know, asleep. So it's like gonna be surgery whilst. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be so messy. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, yeah. I don't want to clean this it's up. Be in my brain house. everywhere. Yeah. Blue brain. Who what, what, was his brain glued to? Do you think? I imagine it was. Oh, well, like, <laughs> I feel like half of his head was open already. Oh well. okay. So it was like just stick it in there. It was very like he was very nonchalant about. Yeah, the he was just like you know it's already kind of open. Wedge it open a little more. Yeah. Check it out for me. Well, you can't look at your own brain. No. Maybe he just happened to be in your house and mm. was like, I need help. Can you check this? Out?